Welcome to Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. So, it's either I do this episode now or I don't do it at all. Alright, I've I hit record, so I guess I'm doing it. Right? It's going to be a fairly quick one, solo episode. Uh, mainly talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, if you haven't uh, watched that yet, it probably isn't one you want to listen to yet. Go see it, though. Really fun movie. Uh, although I will start off with actual Dragon Ball news, which is cool, sort of, um, sort of been kicking around the idea of when the American release date will be for Dragon Ball Super Superhero, and, uh, that seems to be in August for North American and Latin American releases, so that's good news, uh, it won't be too much longer after it comes out in Japan, about eight weeks, I think. Maybe six weeks. I I forget the actual math at this moment. Uh, if I sound different, it's for a few reasons. Different room. Different microphone. My allergies are beating the ever-living crap out of me. My throat is very itchy. My eyes are very itchy. I'm, like, not living my best life at the moment. So if I sound terrible, uh, that's, that's why. Okay? Uh, so, yeah, that's your one bit of Dragon Ball news for this episode. I'm sure that there is other Dragon Ball shit out there to report on, but I don't know, man. I just, uh, my relationship with Dragon Ball is just not great at the moment. Uh, ready for this arc to end in the manga. Uh, but that's not really what I'm talking about today. I could bitch about Dragon Ball all day, every day for the rest of my life, probably. And let's be real, I probably will. Uh, however, I'm here to bitch about <laughs> something different today. Uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, Dragon Ball show primarily, but, you know, we'll talk about Marvel stuff or other general nerdy shit that I am very much into and feel like I can speak to a little bit or, you know, maybe want to speak to. Um, so I wanted to start actually before we do Doctor Strange. And again, full ass spoilers. So, you know, if you're not caught up and you don't want it spoiled, I'll see you, uh, I'll see you next week. All right, word. I wanted to start with Moon Knight first. And I don't have a ton to say about Moon Knight. Me and Mike Norm uh, actually got into it a few weeks ago. And he was like, what the fuck, man? Why don't you just do one on every episode of Moon Knight? Like, what's your problem? You could be doing all these extra podcasts about Moon Knight or all this other, all this other Marvel stuff. I'm like, dude, very, uh, very nice of you to think that I have you know, an hour worth of shit to say about each and every episode of Moon Knight. I don't. Moon Knight's not a character I'm super familiar with previous to this show. It was pretty much just uh, the memes. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, the thing is, though, from what I understand, this Moon Knight show didn't exactly follow the books super closely. And uh, I'm I'm fine with that. If it allows them to tell a better story, I'm into that. So... Uh, if you're a purist in terms of it's only good if it follows the comic books, uh, I can see why maybe Moon Knight wasn't for you exactly. Uh, I I enjoyed it. They did some really interesting, cool shit. And I know a bunch of the guys in the Discord watched it as well. I'm trying to think. I think Cygnus watched it. Um, maybe, maybe Reese, maybe Marcus. Anyway, um, I really enjoyed Moon Knight for what it was. And it was like this weird psychological kind of thriller, you know, through like the first uh, four or five episodes, I guess four episodes. I think it's six long. I, I always mess up how long these Marvel series are. They're like all, uh, you know, some of them are six, some of them are eight, some of them are nine. Like, make up your goddamn mind. Pick a number, bro. If you want to do eight for each series, that's cool, but leave it at eight so I don't get confused. I'm easily confused. Um, Moon Knight, yeah, until the end there was like a real psychologically driven kind of story. And it's less about what Mark Spector or Stephen, uh, Stephen Grant does while in the suit and more about like trying to get to know himself or deal with the other side of himself. And I thought it was a really interesting, cool story. And then shit just goes wild in those last two episodes. And, you know, they do like the whole, uh, you know, this person's crazy. They're actually in an asylum trope done by a million, a million television shows over the years. Buffy the Vampire Slayer has a really good episode uh, that does the same thing, I think, in season six. Uh, it reminds me so much of that. Um, it just it just gets kind of weird when they like go to the afterlife, and Steven sacrifices himself, and then he goes back, and 
gets him from the, I don't know, the River Styx equivalent, whatever this is, the sand with the boat. I, like There was a lot of crazy shit going on in those last few episodes. And to their credit, as crazy as it got, I followed it pretty closely. Um, mostly, mostly all of it. By the by, the last episode though, you've got like giant Conchu and giant Amet, uh, you know, like fighting each other by the Pyramid of Giza, and it's like, does everyone in Cairo see this right now, or is is this just for the, like I'm like looking at the background, like is there dust and shit flying around, like, or is this like a spiritual fight, man, like what's happening? But either way, <laughs> it was cool to have like a giant kaiju fight. Uh, juxtaposed uh, over the Moon Knight and uh, Ethan Hawke. What the fuck's his name? Arthur Harrow. Uh, it, w- it was cool to have like that kind of fight going on, which was shot very interestingly. That one shot that I'm thinking of in particular is when they charge each other and Ethan Hawke's coming down the pyramid and Moon Knight's going up and the camera sort of rotates and he like goes to kick him and like it, it cuts right in through the full moon perfectly. Such a badass shot, such a cool series. And I guess why I wanted to talk about Moon Knight first is because it sort of ties into some of my thoughts about Doctor Strange. Moon Knight, for what it was worth, like it was a very, a very fun series and different. And I, I don't know, I, I guess the greater word for it, and what I'm c- coming to understand is the greater word for all, like the greater adjective for these movies and television shows post-Endgame in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think the adjective is, like, disconnected. Not the right word. Uh, Self-contained. That's, you know, a hyphenated word, I guess. I don't know. It's a phrase. Who fucking cares? Each of these things post-Endgame has felt very self-contained. And Moon Knight, for all it was worth, as good as it was, as crazy as it was, as big as it fell in the realm of like dealing with elder gods and ancient Egypt and shit, like it, it felt very self-contained. I guess there were some references to King the Conqueror, like kind of sprinkled in throughout the series, but like not overtly, not like spoken by the characters or anything, just like little Easter eggs in the background. So it does tie into the MCU in the greater sense in that respect, but for all intents and purposes, this felt like a very self-contained story. Uh, I think the plan was to just do the one season. And the way Oscar Isaac, who, by the way, dude, Oscar Isaac, I realize this is the most obvious statement ever, right? But that guy, MVP of this series. It would have been really, really, really easy for this show to be so bad and cheesy. Oscar Isaac's performance is what holds this series up. He's so fucking brilliant, man. Bouncing back and forth between those two characters and then eventually the third character in Jake Lockley, who, again, I mean, like, there's hints and ideas or, you know, little scenes where it's like, what just happened? And then, you know, the reveal at the end is there's been a third guy here all along and Conchu still has possession of him at the end of the series. The Jake Lockley stuff, I feel like, could have been a little better paced. I, I don't know. I feel like I would have really liked to see a scene where Oscar Isaac was bouncing back and forth between the three personalities uh, in some kind of three-way conversation between them trying to work out a problem. That would have been cool as fuck, but the Jake Lockley reveal sort of feels like a, like a post credit scene. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was, right? Isn't that how they end it? They give you like that first half of the credits and then they give you the little the scene in the psych board. Either way, felt very self-contained and I'm cool with that. If it is only one season, that's cool. I think they told a very interesting story, but it could very easily become a second season or they could do a second season. There's also the very real possibility, you know, Oscar Isaac kind of hinted like this was it, one and done. But he could show up in other television shows or movies. You, I think, I think you'd have to believe they're working toward an Order of the Midnight Suns movie, which is like, I don't know, I don't want to say the Dark Avengers because that's sort of a thing already, right? But they're like uh, the mystical-ish Avengers. It's you know, it started by Stephen Strange and 
Blade is a very prominent member. Uh, Morbius is a member at moments, but let's keep Jared Leto far the fuck away from it. Uh, Moon Knight, obviously. They're doing a Werewolf by Night television series, which I can't say I know anything about that character, but it seems like the sort of character that Moon Moon Knight could very easily cross over with. So uh, maybe... You know, the point is maybe we don't see a Moon Knight season two, but we see Moon Knight show up in a few other properties um, and eventually culminates in, in a movie where he's starring alongside Mahershala, uh, his his version of Blade and whoever else they put in there. I, I think they I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making this up in my brain. I know Elsa Bloodstone is a, a fairly recent member of the Order of the Midnight Suns. She's like a demon hunter type. I imagine she'll be the person hunting the werewolf in Werewolf by Night. Um, she's a redhead with a big shotgun. She's cool. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, different people that could pull into it, but I just feel like Moon Knight has to be a part of it. And I feel like it was pretty well received for uh, for the most part. You know, it's a pretty, I don't want to say unknown character, but definitely a lesser utilized character. And one that I'm not very familiar with. And I've grown up around comic books my entire life. So uh, that's my thoughts on Moon Knight. Was that cool? That's cool. Thanks. Thank you. I agree. They were cool. The bulk of the the rest of this episode will be about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness. So if you don't want any of that spoiled for you, uh, don't listen anymore. Okay? Go away. Spoiler warning. You get the fuck out. Or unless you don't care. I mean, maybe you haven't watched it, but you don't give a shit. Maybe you're one of those people who watches, like, YouTube synopsis of a movie before they go to see it. I I know people who do that. I think it's very strange. Um, But, yeah, if you don't want anything ruined, I'll see you later. But here we go. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a.k.a. Mom. Mom! Okay. I genuinely enjoyed this movie. I'm tempted to say I love this movie because it was a really fun movie. But this movie was not what I expected it to be. I think is the the most important part that I want to highlight. Was it a well-done movie? I think for the most part, yeah. Uh, Sam Raimi, uh, visually, some of the, the horror aspects of this movie. It was a very compelling, engaging movie for the most part. And... I think where this movie falls short, it has nothing to do with Sam Raimi, really. A couple of minor nitpicks, I guess, with some of his choices and direction, but I'll get to that in a moment. I think the biggest problem this movie had was that after WandaVision, after seeing uh, Ralph Boner Pietro, after confirming that She's going to be appearing in the follow-up to this story of WandaVision. She's going to be appearing in the Multiverse of Badness. The idea that she could potentially crack open the multiverse and it somehow is the conduit to bringing in mutants and the X-Men, that's been on our minds now for almost a year and a half. January of 2021, I believe. Like... Uh, just, you know, a year and a half, and we've been thinking about, am I going to see Hugh Jackman Wolverine pop through some kind of fucking portal in a cameo in WandaVision? Am I going to see Deadpool show up? Holy God. Anything was on the table for us. And like I said about Moon Knight, this movie ended up being, or feeling, fairly self-contained. It was a Doctor Strange movie. And they kept it a story mainly about Doctor Strange, a little bit about Wanda. America Chavez was just the plot device to get them to move throughout. Although she had a nice little, you know, memory lane uh, moment that I, I liked. I liked her as a, as a character, as an actress. She was really cool. But this is primarily a Doctor Strange movie and sort of like the follow. I don't want to say the continuation of Wanda's story from WandaVision. It's like a, a follow up to it. It's. Follow-up's not the right word. That also implies continuation, right? Uh, A lot of people have had a problem with this movie in that Wanda's story from WandaVision is essentially uh, erased and she's right back to being a big baddie again. And 
I kind of get that for the most part, except that at the end of WandaVision, we see that she's fallen victim to the Darkhold. And she's, you know, reading it and trying to figure out a spell to, in WandaVision, we're led to believe, go rescue her kids. She's studying the Darkhold. She's doing the astral projection to, like, put up the front of her living in the cabin in the woods. But she's actually inside looking, researching, absorbing the power of the Darkhold. And then she hears that mystical, you know, portal voice effect thing with her kids' voices coming through it. Mom, help us. And I was like, oh, shit. Now that we know that Multiverse of Badness will be the next time we see Wanda, I imagine that Wanda will be on a mission to, in her mind at least, whether it's real or not, I don't imagine it'd be real. She's probably, you know, falling victim to the power of the Darkhold or Cthon or whoever. Under her impression, though, she's just going out there to save her kids. And then we get to this movie with Multiverse of Badness, and she's not trying to save her kids from anything. She's on a mission to kidnap them from another universe or another timeline or whatever. And it's like, hmm. It would have been a lot easier to view Wanda as a sympathetic character if I thought she was trying to save her kids. And like all of the bad, evil decisions that she makes on the way through that is because she's trying to justify saving her children. So it's a little bit of a slippery slope in that respect. In this in this movie, though, they just kind of abandon that and say, nah, she just, she just wants to be with them, so she's going to go get them from an alternate universe. Also, a little bit of a plot hole here. I didn't even write this down on my notes, but I, I have thought about it. Why couldn't she just go steal Billy and Tommy from a universe that didn't have a Wanda? Like Wanda died or something. Wanda gives birth to the kids magics up the kids, whatever she does. And then she dies, and they're orphans. Go rescue that billion, Tommy, you bitch. No, it's got to be Earth 838. Picky. It's like prime time billion, Tommy, you know what I mean? So Wanda's motivation, I think, was a little flawed, and it didn't exactly pick up where she left off in WandaVision. But you can kind of erase a lot of that away with the idea that she has been influenced by the Dark Old, and that she's basically the you know fallen victim to its evil and that that book will give her the excuse or whatever like the reason the justification for her to continue to fall into the darkness and the power that it has within it and that ultimate you know because like Cthon wants to have because i think i believe Cthon like thrives off of the incursions, like the desecration of a universe when it collides with, with another universe, like that's part of Cthon's power. Cthon wants things to get fucked up, is my point. He's gonna do what he has to do. Am I assuming that Cthon's a dude? Am I assuming gender of an evil, mythical, chaos, magic, monster god? Whatever, that's not cool with me, but I admit that I uh, have to work on that. That's okay. Anyway, he wants to fuck shit up, right? So, he's going to influence Wanda to go out and do that. So, I guess that's pr- I guess that's pretty much my biggest gripe with this movie is Wanda's whole continuation of her story it doesn't feel like a, a true continuation. It feels like Sam Raimi heard about <laughs> what WandaVision was going to be or like I don't know, so watched a few scenes or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they made the changes they did, but I will say it kind of doesn't bode well for the, uh, you know, the supposed connectivity from a Disney Plus property television show to a movie. Like, the whole point of these Disney Plus shows is to better set up or cross over or give details on stories that we see within these greater movies that, and, and it sort of like helps the movies feel more like events, you know what I mean? Uh, for WandaVision to set up such a big event or what we thought to be a big event in Multiverse of Madness to not even have the motivation of the main character from WandaVision who becomes the villain, you know, in the first goddamn scene, which I saw some people complain about. I was, I thought that was cool as fuck. I was like, yo, we're, we're just off to the races. Cool, man. Yeah. Wanda's the big bad. We all knew that was going to happen. I'm glad they didn't dick around at all. Right. Either way, I think that they could have set that up better. 
My other minor nitpicks, the dialogue was a little cheesy at points. Like, even for a Marvel movie, like, which routinely has, like, quippy, short, quick, usually kind of funny-ish dialogue. For some reason, this dialogue just felt weird to me. I don't know. I'm not sure why, but whatever. Very minor nitpick. My last pick, for a movie that made Wanda out to be the villain, uh, you would have thought that we'd see the Vision. They reference him a couple of times, but no white vision showing up to save the day, which I would have put money on <laughs> at the end of WandaVision uh, to see him show up in this movie, but nothing at all. This is truly like a, a Doctor Strange and a Wanda uh, movie. So uh, it's it's okay. What I find interesting, though, about this current phase of Marvel movies and television shows I think it's been dubbed the cosmic phase, right? I believe I could be wrong, but like Thor's out there fucking around with the Guardians of the Galaxy. We got the Eternals. Like we have all of this outer space y kind of shit that is eventually going to culminate in, I imagine, what'll be like a Secret Wars battle world type of scenario. Multiple universes battling it out, which ultimately results in all these universes fusing. And that's how we get, uh, you know, the X Men and. Fantastic Four are all within the same universe as our beloved MCU characters, right? But what I find really interesting about this phase of Marvel as well is almost everything that we've watched to this point, there's been like a real duality between the main character and whoever else like they're either partnered with or, or I don't know, have to work with or like in this movie, it's Wanda dream walking, is that what they call it? Between alternate versions of herself and ultimately the thing that defeats her at the end is an alternate version of herself who's in like a right headspace. <laughs> uh, and in this movie as well for Doctor Strange, he's got this alternate defender version Strange of himself that kills him or tries to kill America Chavez, takes her power at the beginning of the film. But then there's like the music uh, fight that he has with the evil version of himself. There's him having a channel into his dream walk into his zombie version of himself. Like this movie has good examples of the characters having to, even though like there's this big multiversal causal, you know, uh, cosmic sort of feeling to everything. And it's so grand in scale. At the end of the day, it's just the same person twice. In this movie, very literally, because of the multiverse feature of it, right? But in Moon Knight, same thing. It's the same person twice. Stephen Grant and Mark Spector trying to battle it out to try to learn things from each other, which is essentially what Stephen has to do in this movie, uh, trying to you know prove that he's different from the other strangers in other universes who've tried to... You know, either uh, be the one in charge, you know, like they say in the movie a couple times, be the one that has to hold the knife or, uh, you know, take America Chavez's power or whatever. Wanda, same thing. Steven, same thing. Loki, there's multiple uh, versions of Loki kicking around. And so much of that storyline depends on Loki and Sylvie's relationship with one another and how they... I don't know, sort of are the compliments to one another's uh, shortcomings in a lot of ways, but it's interesting because they're a variant of the same person. You know what I mean? Uh, even Falcon Winter Soldier, man. So much of that story is about Bucky feeling like him being the one who should have taken up the shield and Sam being the one who gets picked, but so much of like their uh, moral alignments are so in tune with what Steve Rogers was that they feel like a lot uh, they feel like um very similar characters in a lot of ways but obviously you know one's a white dude from the 1930s and one's a modern day black man who you know just got passed on the mantle of captain america like hawkeye <laughs> another one fucking kate bishop and hawkeye have a million parallels between them outside of their skill set as archers i just think it's very interesting that so much of this marvel phase is like so big and outer spacey and multi-dimensional but it's also like just 
getting to know yourself or other versions of yourself is what it boils down to in a lot of these stories. And even though this movie, Moon Knight, uh, I guess even, you know, Hawkeye, Captain Winter Soldier, uh, all so much of this arc has felt self-contained uh, or so much of the pieces of this arc anyway has felt self-contained. This phase is the better way to say it. They all feel like movies that don't really, or, or television series as well, they, they don't cross over really. You know, minimal influence, but they all kind of breathe on their own, which is very different from what Marvel did in, you know, their run-up to the first Avengers movie, their run-up to uh, even Civil War, even uh, Infinity War and, and Endgame. Like, all of those movies, so much of it was, like, teasing the next thing, teasing the next thing to get you hyped for it. And, like, it worked, and it, it made those big event-type movies sort of pay off. But this has been all of a long way to say that we had these expectations for Multiverse of Madness, and it, it ended up being largely the same, very self-contained. And it's still told I felt a decent story, and it was fun, and I had a fucking blast, don't get me wrong. But it was definitely not the movie that I expected it, that I expected it to be. Also, one, I guess a minor nitpick, I, almost, uh, I imagine that there's a three-hour cut of this movie somewhere out there. I was appreciative that it was like just about two hours on the nose. I imagine there's a three-hour cut out there somewhere. When they hired... Uh, Sam Raimi to come on and pick up for the previously departed director. I forget who it was. I'm sorry, but when they brought Sam Raimi on, they also brought on Michael Waldron as a writer. Or maybe Michael Waldron was already there. Either way, Michael Waldron's the guy who wrote the Loki series. And because Feige's confirmed that the Loki series and the ending of it, you know, they kill Kang and kick off this, uh, you know, cycle of the, of these timelines all warring with each other he confirmed that that's sort of the thing that kicks off um or at least allows the possibility for the doctor strange movie to happen i assumed that we were going to see loki in this movie not even a slight mention of him so i was a little bummed about that but um largely i think this movie did a pretty good job on maybe I don't know, kind of letting Strange like work through a little bit of his arrogance and also give him the opportunity to prove, or he didn't even prove it, honestly. Chavez proves it for him when she's like, this one's different, he won't kill me, all the other ones will. Like, it sort of felt like a free pass at moments for Doctor Strange, like he didn't have to do much to prove that he was a better version in this timeline. I mean, he does do things and he gives some <laughs> very uh, poorly delivered I don't, not, not delivered just the dialogue sort of weak but he like gives her that fucking zombie speech at the end like believe in yourself and you trust your powers you know how to punch through a a portal to another universe it's like it's like a muster up huh <laughs> that's all the wise words you got like he, he does do things throughout the movie that demonstrate him to be a, a decent guy, but he still comes off like an arrogant fucking prick most of the time. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's that's the character. But America Chavez is like, because you are the one who has not tried to kill me, in fact, you uh, actually made the attempt to save me, you are a good version. So believe in yourself, Steven. Like, she kind of gives him that little pep talk a couple times throughout the movie, too. Um, So, like, while I appreciate, like, where the character eventually ends up, at the end of the movie, especially in regards to his relationship with Christine, it seems like it's kind of this was kind of like a way for him to work through it. This movie and sort of say goodbye to it, and like a, it was a pretty bittersweet thing. I, I do feel like I like where his character ends up. I just don't know if he was exactly responsible for it. Uh, similar sort of feeling for Wanda. Uh, Wanda ends up spoiler alert uh, crushed <laughs> on Mount Vundagor. Vundagor? Or is it Wandagor? I think it's Wandagor. Wanda ends up crushed on the throne of Cathan and Mount Wandagore under a bunch of big old rocks. Spoiler alert for future MCU installments. I got the inside word on this. So if you don't want to have anything spoiled for you in the future, just like hit that 15 second button and you should be good. 
in three, two, one. Wanda ain't dead, you dumbass. She's gonna come back to life. It's a comic book, except in a movie. She's she's not dead. Wanda's coming back. All right, that's like 15 seconds probably. Hey, welcome back to Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. If you just fast forwarded through that spoiler, damn dog, I dropped some news. Anyway, yeah, Wanda and Steven's arc. Uh, it was fine. It was it was a, it was a fine movie. I had a lot of fun with it. The thing that I think everybody definitely got hyped on, and probably is one of the biggest uh, reasons everybody had these crazy high expectations. Patrick Stewart, the confirmation of Patrick Stewart being in this movie. I believe it was a Super Bowl commercial when they dropped that line in. We should tell him the truth. And it's like, bitch, I know that voice. Ah, Patrick Stewart, Professor Rex is in this movie. So, the Illuminati. Everyone knew the Illuminati was going to be in this movie. And they were like, this is it. All hands on deck. Everyone's here. The mutants are here. The Fantastic Four are probably going to be here. Superior Tom Cruise Iron Man's gonna be here because all these Ultron bots and shit. And what did it end up being? This is one thing that I think is always going to be a problem for Marvel movies or television shows even going forward. I've talked about this as far back as WandaVision last year. We get these bits and pieces through trailers or whatever little teasers. And then... We put together these crazy, intricate fan theories based off of years and years of comic books and stories that we all know. And we end up crafting a way cooler fucking outcome for these stories than what they were able to actually pull off on film or in the final product to everyone to look at it. And I think this movie is just the latest example of that. If Professor X is here, that means other mutants are here. That is very... Uh, that's very logical. Yes, I I too thought that. And it helped contribute to my expectations for this movie to be this big, grand event. And it, it ended up being just Doctor Strange 2. Second Doctor Strange movie. Where Wanda's the villain. So. No Wolverine. No Colossus. No Fastball Special. One day, Kyle. One day. Uh, but the Illuminati. So... Professor X, Patrick Stewart, comes in in a big yellow floaty chair. He's got a green suit on. He got the little musical sting. And I'm like, oh shit. This makes sense because Marvel is going to launch X-Men 97. That was a Disney Plus uh, animated series, obviously. It's going to pick up. Uh, it's going to pick up where that X-Men series in the 90s left off. So that'll be cool. So it's like a cool little fan service moment for us, but also a way for them to be like, you know, this version of Charles Xavier is a variant of the thing that you're going to see in the cartoon series that we have coming up. Cool. That makes sense. Then they give us uh, Peggy Carter. We knew her. Um, Captain Carter. We knew she was going to be in it. It doesn't seem like it's the... Um, I guess this is actually a good point that I wanted to make too. I've been thinking about the Peggy Carter that we got in this movie does not seem to be the same Peggy Carter that we got in the Guardians of the Multiverse episodes of What If. So the episodes of What If seemed like they were going to tie in heavily to this movie. And they, they kind of don't, bro. They're all, they're all self-contained episodes for the most part. Like that last three-episode arc with uh, Ultron, Vision, Vision Ultron. Uh, those all are, you know, a little story that culminates in the forming of that team, but all of those episodes of What If were pretty much self-contained stories like we're talking about. And we expected like that version of Peggy Carter, that version of evil Doctor Strange, heart heartless Doctor Strange. I think I'm saying that because of the Mar Marvel Strike Force video game. If you play Marvel Strike Force, holler at me. We're looking for one in the League. League, the Alliance. Let me know. New Order of the Midnight Suns, I think is what we're called. I forget. Anyway, you play, let me know. Those characters from What If, or those versions of those characters from What If, were not the ones that we saw in these movies, or this movie today. Today. I didn't watch it today. I watched it twice last weekend. Went to a drive-in for the first time. Y'all ever been to that? When the movie started, it was like, America used to have 4,000 drive-thrus in 1962. And I was like, shit, that's a lot of drive-thrus, son. Do the math. 4,000 divided by 50. What's that? A lot. 
now America has 400 drive-thrus. And I'm like, shit, that math I could do a little bit more easily. There's 50 states and there's 400 drive-thrus. That's like eight per state. And I live in the smallest state, so we just have the one. Anyway, I don't recommend going to a drive-thru. Drive-thru. I've been doing that all the time, too. I mean to say drive-in, but I keep saying drive-thru because I think about Wendy's a lot. Spicy chicken sandwich, bro. Anyway, uh, the movie's sound wasn't very good through the radio. When it got loud, it, it was just totally distorted. So I went to go see it again the next day with Scott and Shaylin anyway. So that was good. Anyway, my ADHD tangent is over. Um, Yeah, these versions of these characters from What If do not seem to be the versions that we saw in this movie. And it's like, I, I don't know. It, it kind of gave me the sense that, again, it kind of like reinforces what I've been talking about through the last 40 minutes. Like, self-contained. Things are self-contained. There are variants. There are, you know, riffs off of that happen in other universes. And that just so happens to be the versions of these characters that we got in this movie, not the ones that we saw in that cartoon. Uh, and they do a similar sort of thing with Professor X. You know, live action Patrick Stewart. He's not from the Fox Network or Fox Network. The Fox, um, he's not from the Fox X-Men universe per se, but he's definitely a variant version of Charles Xavier from the X-Men Fox cartoon. So. Pretty cool. Uh, Peggy Carter, a variant of the one that we saw in What If. We get Maria Rambeau as Captain Marvel. So some kind of alternate alternate timeline where uh, Carol Danvers doesn't get the power uh, from the Kree. It's Maria instead. Very cool. Uh, Mordo, he's sort of our window into our uh, little trip to the Illuminati when Steven and America Chavez show up in World 838. Um, and who else am I missing here? Oh, fucking yeah. John Krasinski, Jim Halper as Reed Richards. Fan casting to the max, bro. That's been kicking around the internet for forever. John Krasinski as Reed Richards and his wife, Emily Blunt, as Sue Storm. Now, this kind of brings me to a little side tangent real quick. I guess. Oh, also, Anson Mount is Black Bolt. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> that fucking Black Bolt scene. Holy shit, dude. Um, Reed Richards is, uh, excuse me, John Krasinski is Reed Richards. So this could be just it. This could be a self-contained version of the character. It's just this one universe. And that's just, he looks like Jim from The Office in this universe with a beard. Good looking beard, bro. Could be it. We could never see John Krasinski as Reed Richards again. And I want people to be prepared for that. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a very realistic possibility. Uh, and people will be upset. Because I think... I don't know. Reed Richards is another one of those guys. Like a Tony Stark-ish type. Where it's like, he's so smart. But because he's so smart, his brain sort of cuts through the, you know, humanity bullshit. And he's more logical and you know, seeks to solve problems that way, even if he does come across like a jerk sometimes. Like, yeah, Reed Richards can be like that too. So can anybody in the Marvel Universe, except Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner's a nice guy, no matter how smart he is. What's up with that? Real beta cuck energy. Anyway, there's a real possibility John Krasinski won't be Reed Richards in an upcoming movie. However, on the flip side... John Watts, he's the guy who did the first three Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland. Amazing director. I think he did an awesome job with those movies. He was the guy working on Fantastic Four, directing that movie. And he recently quit. And some of the speculation is he quit because John Krasinski is going to take over as the director. And star in it as Reed Richards. I never saw those movies that he made, Quiet Place 1 and 2. but. Everyone that I've talked to who has watched them said that they are fucking masterpieces. Um, so I should check it out. Uh, anyway, just be prepared. John Krasinski might not be Reed Richards for the long term. This might be the one time we got the fan casting thing to happen. It was a cool moment. It's It sort of felt like, uh, nah, that's actually cool. I was going to compare it to that time where uh, X-Men, The Last Stand, where that guy with the juggernaut showed up. And he showed up and he was like, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. It was cool. It was very funny. We all laughed. We're like, oh my God, like the internet. That's funny as fuck. They know. These guys have the internet too. 
the John Krasinski moment felt sort of like that, but I don't know, more important, more impactful. <laughs> it wasn't a throwaway line from a meme. Uh, John Krasinski could be a very good Reed Richards. So we'll see more on that. But I think this was everyone's sort of idea. Like the Illuminati are here. We're going to have all the multiverse shit. We're going to have it all cracked wide open. This movie is going to be huge for all of it. And the Illuminati are basically just there to be warfed. If you're not familiar with the term warfing, uh, my friend Anthony Grimulia, he's done several episodes of Super Dope with me, usually about, you know, Dragon Ball stuff. We we use the term warfing. I don't think he made it up. He got it from somewhere. But in uh, Worf from Star Trek The Next Generation, he's like the biggest, baddest Klingon motherfucker. If you need to demonstrate very quickly that the new villain of the week is a real threat to you, we have him kick the shit out of Worf. Because that's the fastest way to communicate that this villain is a serious threat because he just, you know, beat the shit out of Worf. The Illuminati essentially serve as Worf, which is a little frustrating to me because just a few scenes earlier, the Scarlet Witch falls, uh, you know, tries to go take America Chavez from Carmitage, and she shows up and she fights all of the sorcerers by herself. And in my brain, I'm like, dude, she's fighting the Sorcerer Supreme, Wong, plus Doctor Strange, plus, I don't know, it uh, looked like at least a hundred, if not a few hundred uh, different sorcerers, like all that magic and all of those people, and Wanda was just cutting through it like it was nothing for the most part. I love that cool little scene where she can't get in physically with like her pink fucking power magic, so she like gets into the kid's head and she just is like, run. And I'm like, ooh, the way she said that was sexy, but also very frightening. I would run to the bedroom or bathroom. Nah, but for real, that scene by itself, I thought did such a good job demonstrating how powerful she was. And then for the Illuminati to show up two scenes later, give some exposition through the story, like this is why we killed Strange in our universe, this is the problem, blah, blah, blah. And then her try to, or, or them try to protect her in America Chavez, and then Chavez, I feel like I'm saying it weird. Don't fucking judge me. <laughs> For them to go up to to protect her, and then all of them have these terrible, terrible, <laughs> gruesome deaths. Um, shout out to Anson Mount, uh, Black Agar Boltagon, Black Bolt himself, because I was so surprised he showed up in this movie. Like I literally yelled at the screen when John Krasinski came on as Reed Richards. I went, "Yo!" I I was me and Mike Norman watching at the drive-thru. I freaked out, man. Scared the shit out of him. Uh, and then Blackpool showed up, and I had a similar, like, oh, my God. Like, they actually used this guy. I never watched that show, that Inhuman show they had. I think it was on ABC or Hulu. Maybe it was Hulu. Could be wrong. But I've seen clips, and those clips were painful to watch, man. And in that show, so much of the... Uh, idea was to like have them blend in with modern society and like wear normal clothes and deal with the fact that they can't use their powers openly. So to see a version of Black Bolt in this movie with his stupid fucking comic book costume on with the black mask over him with the tuning fork on his forehead. It's the same character I play in Marvel Strike Verse every day, one of my strongest tunes, one of my favorite tunes to play with. To see that on screen, I was like, oh my fucking word, they did it. The crazy son of a bitch just did it. So cool. And then Wanda just comes in and fucks them all up. And that Black Bolt one, I thought until today, was the most brutal. She seals his mouth shut. What mouth? And I want to give a shout out to the podcast SlayerFest98. They're primarily a Buffy podcast. I've actually, I'm yet to listen to them. I should. But I follow them on social media. And they put out this meme today where it was Wanda's line there, what mouth, paired up with Willow Rosenberg in, uh, in season six of Buffy when she goes all evil and shit and she just goes bored now. Or maybe it was from the vampire episode in season three. Either way, it's the line bored now from Willow before she does some evil shit and likely kills somebody. And I was like, dude, same fucking energy. What mouth? And Black Bolt, 
I mean, wouldn't you do the same thing? Wouldn't you freak out if your mouth was suddenly missing from your face? Wouldn't you instinctively just go to test out your voice? In the panic of the moment, wouldn't you just be like, mm-hmm. well, so did Black Bull. And it caved in his motherfucking skull. And like there's blood coming out of his ears and stuff. Like watch a slow-mo of that screen of that skull caving that homeboy got, dude. Watch a screen cap of that. Slow-mo style. It's brutal as fuck. She spaghettifies uh, Reed Richards. Whatever. He already kind of spaghettifies himself. That wasn't that bad. Captain Carter getting chopped in half by her own shield. Pretty brutal. Maria Rambo gets crushed by the rocks. Then, this is the one that I now feel is the most brutal. Charles Xavier <laughs> goes into the astral plane to like tr- sort of, I think the idea was help free the Wanda of this universe, 838, free her from the possession of the Scarlet Witch that was chasing Steven in America, Chavez from uh, you know, the main 616 universe, right? So he goes in and tries to pull her out of the rubble. If I can free you from this rubble, perhaps you'll be, be broken, broken of her spell, something like that. And then Wanda, you see the red smoke come in. And I'm like, ooh, this is scary. What's she going to do? Poison his dumb ass? This red smoke and this white void? No. She runs up on him like that girl in the fucking ring popping out of the well. She runs up behind him. And I thought snapped his neck and then Scott sent me a thing today of somebody who grabbed that and it's like half a second she does not snap his neck in the astral plane it ultimately results in him having his neck snapped and he dies in the like reality there so like she snaps And then it cuts back to reality and his head flops and he falls over in his chair. In the astral plane, though, if you slow that shit down, she literally rips his fucking head in half. She ripped his fucking head in half. Wanda ripped Professor X's head in half. And what was it all for? Just to demonstrate how powerful she was. It's like, why do you got to give me all these cool ass things? Reed Richards as John Krasinski, vice versa. You know what I mean. Professor X with the little X Men sting. Why you got live action Peggy Carter and the Captain Carter suit? Like whew. Peggy Carter in this movie, good looking. Holy shit! As was Rachel McAdams and Christine's whole arc. Uh, her alternate version of herself, walking for the working for the Baxter Foundation, and her being the one to like discover and name all these multiverses. I thought that was pretty cool. Also, she's caked up in this movie. Good for her. So much of this movie, though, or so much of what we thought this movie was going to be was based on knowing these characters would be involved in the plot. And they weren't really involved in the plot so much as, you know, they gave some exposition. Legit. The one scene, they're all in together in a room. And it feels like they all were all shot in separate locations. Like, nobody was on set together. That's how it felt. Um, they give the exposition about why they had to kill Strange, and then they try to fight Wanda and I'll die. <laughs> like, why do you give me all this cool shit? Just take it away from me immediately. So, yeah, uh, that's, I don't know. I, I definitely enjoyed this movie a lot. I just don't think it ended up being the movie I thought that it was going to be. And honestly, that's okay. Like I've said with WandaVision, uh, I think I said it with Hawkeye. I think I said it with Cap and Sam. Like all the television shows, we get these stories and all these details, and we sort of theorize week to week, or you know, month month over month, half a year, year at a time. In this case, right, for a movie, we theorize so much shit, and we come up with some really cool ideas, but they end up being ideas that maybe aren't as feasible when you actually go to put them on film or maybe not as feasible feasible from a storytelling perspective. Like maybe they work in a comic book, but they don't work uh, in a movie. I mean, even comic book stories, <laughs> just because it was in a comic book doesn't mean that it wasn't a good, it doesn't mean that it was a good story. Comic books tell bad stories all the fucking time, dude. Um, 
I don't know. I I was expecting more, didn't get it, and I'm I'm trying to. That's when I left Wandavision that series. I was like that series ended poorly. No, it actually it wrapped up everything it needed to wrap up for that series, that story, those characters. And you know, same thing with all of these television series to this point. But the idea of bringing in Professor X and a fucking animated '92 wheelchair. And then you just rip his fucking head in half in the astral plane. Like, the disrespect, bro. Anyway, uh, this has been a really long rant uh, about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If you made it to the end here, I really appreciate you. Uh, If you haven't already, if you wanted to take the time, it takes, you know, 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'd like to be able to read those to you. I just don't always get them. Helps other people find the show. So go check that out. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope if you want extra podcasts, uncut versions of things. And uh, yeah, rate, subscribe wherever you get the stuff. I think next week will be Dragon Ball spoilers, most likely. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And then the week after that will be the chapter proper. So probably have Rayshon and GB back on to chat about that. But uh, me and Rayshon actually recently appeared on the NPC pod. That's a. Uh, GB's other podcast that he does with his friends Paul and Katie and Kent. Um, I was on it for the full episode. Rayshon popped in for like a random ass 20 minutes in the middle and then fucking had to leave. Uh, it was very, very, very Rayshon. Uh, if you want to check that out, episode links are in the show notes to that. I'll also probably run it on the Super Dope feed, you know, in a few weeks for, uh, for an episode because it's weird man i haven't sat down to record a podcast this is my first time recording a podcast and i don't know since the manga chapter last month so 20-ish days like two or three weeks which is a very long time for me i'm working on other podcasts uh, obviously ad nauseum uh we don't i don't record usually on those uh unless it's just stuff league if you uh listen to the just stuff league i'm collecting a survey uh, over there right now uh listener survey so if you check out that show at all i could use your feedback there so i can read it to the boys for our 200th episode in a few weeks excited about that one but uh yeah i appreciate the support you guys are cool i'm cool we're all cool cool school yeah enroll your ass inside the cool school and roll your ass inside the cool school. That was cool. Fucking <sighs> super dope.